The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Jesus and his disciples went into Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Just then, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching? With authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Today's reading from Mark's Gospel may sound to you as it does to me at times, and that is a story from a very foreign and strange place. Mark's audience, and indeed the communities of the first century in which Jesus first taught, had a very different worldview than most of us do living in the 21st century. For Mark's community and for those first century communities, it was understood, generally speaking, that people were easily inhabited by spirits. The question was whether they were good spirits or bad spirits. Demons or daemons, as the Greeks would have it, were everywhere, and so perhaps two were angelic powers. And as they might put it, the discernment of spirits was very important for figuring out who to listen to and why. And if that sounds very foreign and strange to you, it probably should. Although sometimes I think in our Enlightenment and post-Enlightenment period, we neglect some profound wisdom and we often ignore the experience of our own lives. Of course, these days we have to be very careful, right? It feels like we're in a pitched battle for sanity, at least in our body politic, if not in our own communities. And so we worry sometimes about people who might talk about spirits, let alone spiritual possession. 
I'm reminded when I was studying at the Church Divinity School at the Pacific, walking down the street one day and coming across a friend from undergraduate school. And she asked me, you're studying to be a priest? And I said, yes. And she said, have you seen The Exorcist? It's a scary film, she said. But I reflect back to you one story from when I was very small. My father, as many of you know, is also a priest. And my early memories are from Little Goodland, Kansas, high on the Western Plains near the Colorado border. My dad was in charge of a little tiny parish there, St. Paul's. And we had some good friends in that community, Betsy and Peter, whom my dad officiated at their wedding. And after about a year or two, they moved to Denver and bought an old Victorian house. One evening, my dad received a call from Betsy. She was six months along in the pregnancy of her first child. And she said to my dad, Ben, she said, there are strange noises and feelings in this house. Turned out that the family that had lived in the house before them had a profoundly disturbed child who had been quite destructive and seemed to inhabit a place of profound anger. And for Betsy, at least, this had somehow left a wake or almost a spirit, you might say, in the place. She would wake up at night in a cold sweat and hear strange noises on the stairs outside the bedroom. She wanted to know what my dad could do. Our tradition is not one that normally practices exorcism. So my dad very wisely offered to do a house blessing. And so we all piled into the car and drove four hours west to Denver. I was asked when we got to their house to hold a candle as we went from room to room and my dad blessed the house. The only interesting thing I have to share with you is simply this. After the house blessing, all of the problems stopped. It's a memory that I always return to when we hear about these tales of possession and Jesus coming and casting out evil. Paul, in his letter today to the Corinthians, is also talking about a very foreign experience to our ears. He's talking about food offered to idols, not something that we regularly debate in the Episcopal Church, to be sure. But Paul's point is universal. He reminds us that knowledge puffs up. It's love that builds up the community. And sometimes in our Enlightenment church, if you like, we focus too much on knowledge. And so we puff ourselves up and we forget the more important things. 
Paul is writing to a fundamental question in the Corinthian community about authority and who has the right to decide whether it's appropriate to eat food sacrificed to idols or not. Paul's point is not so much about who's right and who's wrong, but the kind of attitude we bring to our debates and our disagreements. And perhaps even more importantly, we can pick up the same thread we hear in today's gospel and also in that reading from Deuteronomy. And that is, how do we discern the authority of God at work in our midst? Because that is the fundamental question today. Where do we find the authority of God at work in our midst? How do we know it? How do we trust it? And what signs should we look for? The ancient Israelites opened up a deep problem that would last across the generations and certainly even into the early Christian communities. And that was how do we know a true prophet from a false one? How do we know those who are possessed of the authority of God and who aren't? How do we know who is inhabited by the spirit of the Holy One? These are questions that we always need to be asking of ourselves and as a Christian community, surprisingly enough. Sometimes we get a little bit too familiar and comfortable with the power that we have been given. And that is the power to bless to invoke the good name of our beloved Savior and to use it to bring about healing. And yes, indeed, sometimes even cast out darkness. So what are the signs that we should look for? Paul suggests to that early community in Corinth that the sign of God's authority is not about the knowledge that we might possess, but about the way in which we are drawn into and the way in which we are calling each other to turn our hearts one to another, to see each other with compassionate eyes rather than to inhabit the divisive places of judgment or to cast our egos about, as we are fond of doing. That's one sign of Christ's authority at work among us. When our hearts begin to soften, we begin to turn one to another and to our neighbors. That is a sign of God at work in our lives and in our community. Here's another one. Although sometimes we're too close to see it, the miraculous is always unfolding in our midst if we have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to recognize it. Consider this as a sign of the power of Christ at work in our midst. The thousands of meals that a small community like ours with just a few friends have made over the past several months. 
bringing nourishment to the most vulnerable in the wider community. Or the thousands of bags of groceries some of us have helped pack at the pop-up food pantry. Signs of Christ's power at work in our midst. A good spirits, you might say, moving among us. Or the fact last year that we tripled our grants out of the parish discretionary fund to people both inside and beyond our parish walls and helped a hundred families navigate the challenges of the pandemic. We did that at the same time as we met our budget in 2021 faster than we've met budgets in recent years even in the face of the economic challenges of the wider world. Signs of Christ moving in our midst. Welcoming newcomers into our community. Seeing new ministries rise up spontaneously. Some of you may not have heard that the St. Anne's Circle has been regathered and they are now meeting online, knitting together. Knitting not just with yarn, but knitting the community together in love and prayer and faithfulness. Signs of Christ. Or yes, even knitting together of our voices. You'll hear again in just a few minutes one example of the choirs of Church of Our Savior and Christ Church Sausalito combining for a beautiful work, thanks to the leadership of our music director, but also the devotion of so many members of our choir. Voices given in love, signs of Christ at work in our midst. The prayers the blessings that we offer each other, the hope that we carry, sometimes like a single candle in the darkness. Signs of Christ, of God's authority, of good spirits, you might say, but above all, the witness of the love of God for a world right now that so desperately needs it. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and a journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.